This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. Phil. Hello. We're here. I'm good. How are you, Philip? Hello, mate. Are, are, you, are you all settled in Guildford? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just sat here. Yes, mate. Cat, the, t- uh, the judge is here. Right. Judgey, how well, are you, mate? I'm very well, thanks, Kevin. How are you, bad? Good, mate. Good. All good. Good, okay. good. Probably a little bit more nervous now than I was uh, facing you, mate. No, well, don't be nervous. You've got to stop being nervous, Judge. <laughs> You're all nervous. <laughs> You're all nervous. Easier said than done, mate. You do this for a living now, mate. I know. I'm an embroiderer in Perth, a, a humble embroiderer in Perth. <laughs> a what? An embroiderer? Embroiderer, that's what I do for a what living. What do you do now? What, what, what's an embroiderer? No, Knitting? Uh, <laughs> right, let's not go. Let's let's hold fire, because I imagine Tuffers, you'll come out with some gems over the next hour. <laughs> Does Woolly jump? <laughs> Judgy, stop knitting. Oh, lovely. Are we ready? Yes, I'm ready. Cool. You're always that. ready, aren't yes, you? You yes, like a I, coiled spring. Well, I, if we could, if we could crack on, because I've got to go to lunch. Well, where, where are you going for lunch? <laughs> no, I'm only going down a pub. <laughs> <laughs> so do you live in that pub? Well, it, it dawns back, so... You know, oh, right. Yeah, so it's her fault. It is, it is right. indeed. Do you have a... What do you normally have for your lunch in the pub? Well, I quite like scampi. Do you? Yes. <laughs> you sound surprised at that well, yourself. It's, it's an old favourite, isn't it? Well, scampi chips and peas. They're yeah, like... do you go mushy peas or just go well, garden? I, uh, well, what, I don't know whether they have a choice. <laughs> I'm sure if you ask, they can, you can crush your peas. Yeah, well, I can, they'll probably say, if you want mushy peas, sit on them yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Loads of vinegar, Phil. Loads of vinegar on that scampi. Yes, well, it's langoustine, isn't it, in a scampi? Well, it is. Mm. Yeah. It's very well, you posh. never know what's in it, to be well, honest. Well, no, no Let's correct. Be honest. Oh, yeah. you've put me right off now, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Just be careful. Just have a bowl of peas. Yeah. <laughs> Mush them. Yeah. Let's go. This is Five Life Sports. Toffers and Vaughan's Cricket Show. Now, obviously, it was the biggest game in world cricket yesterday. You were at Old Trafford. How was India-Pakistan? Uh, one-sided. India far too strong. Uh, Pakistan, they're struggling. You know, apart from that performance against England, uh, they look like they're going to be uh, crashed out of the World Cup in the next week or so. As far as England are concerned, Philip, how impressed were you with their comprehensive win over the West Indies? Yeah, a good all-round performance by England and uh, a hallmark of what this Owen Morgan team is all about. Uh, we're joined as well today on the pod by a man who played in a World Cup final for England. He was your hero oh, growing he up, Michael. He listen to is. this. Benjamin comes in, bows to Smith. Short and Smith hooks him most boldly for four. Well, that was a confident start if ever. It's a six. A remarkable stroke by Robin Smith. It's one of those surreal shows for me because I used to pretend to be you in the back garden as well. So, uh, you know, and I did. Uh, you, Phil's a lot older, so obviously. But for, for me and Michael, this is quite special, Robin. Thank you for being with us. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure to be here and thank you for inviting me. Toughers and Vaughan here every Monday throughout the World Cup and the Ashes. Make sure you don't miss an episode. Just subscribe to the TMS podcast via BBC Sounds or your usual podcast app. Toffers and Vaughan's Cricket Show on Five Live. Uh, we were, uh, yes? 
can I just say, uh, uh, Judgey was my hero and I managed to get to play with him, so it was even better. <laughs> you know Phil, what I mean? Phil, did you... Sorry, as played cricket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, did you... And Chappers, yourself, did, did you smash plant pots in the garden playing the square cup? Uh, I actually smashed Mrs Mallander's greenhouse next door. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> oh, but not man. our next-door neighbour, a friend of mine, and we used to, during the summers, we just used to have cricket matches over and over again. He had, like, a two-stage back garden, so in the second part of his back garden, that's where we used to go and play cricket. And we we picked, uh, we pulled um, yeah. 11 players, and then one of us would bowl, and we would be... The, the eleven batsmen in our lineup, and then you'd yeah. alternate your your bowlers, and so all those cricketers of that. Your brother would have been in the teams uh, as well at that <laughs> time. So yes, yeah. Oh, I, I spent hours in the garden playing the square cup because of you. Oh right, well I, I actually spent hours in the garden uh, trying to play like Alan Lamb. <laughs> it, was so, <laughs> it was actually so lovely that uh, eventually I managed to be uh, playing with Alan uh, for England, which was fantastic. Well, which we'll come on to in a minute, but just on that then, when you then get to play with someone you've been trying to be and uh, who was a hero is that intimidating um it, it certainly wasn't for me Lammy didn't uh, make me feel intimidated at all i mean he was such a, a huge uh, influence in in my uh, in my life he was um, always gave me all the encouragement that uh, that i needed uh, i never always felt as confident as i should have been but you know when you hanging around lamb and both of them and you're just feeding off all that uh, all that confidence then uh, then it certainly helps you and then were you aware when you were playing, that you'd have been doing the same thing for people like me and Michael and, and Phil? Well, well n- not really, because um, having having uh, read uh, what Warney said uh, in the back of my book, saying, you know, he used to enjoy my um, the presence that I had walking out to bat and, you know, looking confident and looking... Uh, um, I certainly didn't feel that way at all. I was uh, always really struggled to, uh, to, you know, live up to, uh, you know what people have thought of me of being this confident player, which I certainly wasn't. And I'll come on to that, I'll come on to that in, a, in a little while. So now when people say to you, we used to pretend to be you in the back garden. Very humbling. Yeah. <laughs> Embarrassing and humbling. But, uh, <laughs> but very nice too. So that's really Good. nice. Because people, could... people, people must do it to you. Uh, not often. Right, OK. <laughs> Phil, do people do it to you? Um, yes, well, a few people have named their cats and dogs after me. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's, there's a little French bulldog that lives down the road called Tuffers. <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose that's quite nice, that isn't is. it? That yes, is. Yes, yes. Whether they've actually tried to be me in the back garden, but you do, yeah, you do occasionally come up across, um, you know, uh, kids sort of like in the nets over the local cricket club and they sort to go, oh, you know, I mean, I remember sort of watching you and I wanted to be a spin bowler. So, yeah, it's lovely. That's what cricket's about. I mean, that, that, that's why it's so important that, you know, kids are watching this World Cup and, and, yeah. and they're seeing the likes of Joe Root back, you know, and get in the garden and, and, and try and play. I mean, it's difficult to try and copy Joe Root, but, you know, Virat Kohli, Rohit Sharma, mm. Bumrah, you know, Joffre Archer, that's what it's about. You, you see your heroes and, and, then, and then you do. You get your brothers and your sisters and you say, come on, let's get in the garden. Yeah. And, and you try and copy them. <laughs> And it, it used to drive my mum mad that yeah. the ball was flying square the wicket on the offside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on a, a lot of occasions, the plants were flying everywhere. I might have broken a window or two. The balls were flying into next door's gardens. They were getting annoyed because of it. Uh, but that's what it's all about, just trying to emulate your heroes. Yeah, but it, it's very strange because I remember 1990 when I was first picked to play for England. Um, you know, I'd, I'd seen all these boys, you know, as you say, Botham, Lamb, 
Robin and you know and Lammy and you know and all these kind of guys, uh, and also the opposition as well. And then I was only a youngster, and then for actually then to turn up. They say you should never meet your heroes, don't yeah, they? Yeah, they do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and especially when they've got a ball in the round <laughs> from 22 yards away, it all becomes a little bit worrying, you know what I mean? As he was your hero, yeah. you described the kind of batsman he was for you. Oh, no, well, the kind of player that, it, it, for me, when you walked out of bat, um, you know, I've read the book, so I, I know more about you yeah. now than, obviously, yeah. when I used to see you, but you just had that body language, body language present. Yeah. You and Alan Lamb just you know, facing quick bowling, you just seem to have that belief from what I saw that you could score runs against that great West Indian attack. You know, the the the, the mindset of attack, you know, again, having read your book, I, I know yeah. that was different, but from the visual that I saw was of an England player walking out, taking the guard, both you and Alan Lamb was right, Gucci the same. Yeah. You know, right, okay, these are quick, they're great. You know, they've mm. got aggressive fields, but we're going to try and put you back on the back yeah. foot. And that's what I, I learned a great deal from the likes of yourself. And also, you, you won't probably remember, I was 12th man for England in the 90s. And I used to, you know, Bumble Lloyd got me and yeah. Anthony McGrath. Uh, as young players, um, we were like 19, remember? Yeah, Anthony yeah. McGrath, absolutely Legs, bonkers. Yeah, yeah. And we were invited to Trent Bridge, Edge Baston, to spend days with the England side, 12th man in. And I have to say that you, Lammy, um, Gucci, but particularly yourself, you were incredible with us. Oh, that's nice. Nice. You know, that, no, I'm just, yeah. honestly, yeah, you were yeah. unbelievable. Just two young players. We were nervous as hell. Uh, Rocket with our bags. We were there for three or four days. Yeah. Um, you would encourage the, the netballers to bowl at us at the end of a day's play. Yeah. You'd say, make sure that those two young lads have a bat. And we were like, whoa, what? It's all about you guys. And you were incredible to, to both me and Mags. And also, I also remember playing at the old Hampshire ground. Oh, it's North and and we'd arrive in, at the ground in our car, both me and Mags. And the first person we'd seen the next was you, with your dad yeah, yeah. on the bowling on the machine. Bowling machine. Yeah. yeah, and we'd play. And, and, and I remember one game, me and Mags got like ten and twelve. End of the game, we walked into the car park to get in the cars. Who's in the next? You, with your dad. Yeah, yeah. And your dad walked up to us, and he came both to me and Anthony and said, "You two can play." And your dad was, was prodding it? us in the chest. <laughs> you two can play. And we kind of got in the car and thought, "Oh." You know, his, his, his father, again, I've read so much about him in, in the book of how driven he was and how he drove yes. you. Uh, but it was more the fact that you were you were great to us, but the work ethic, the work ethic. You, I said to Max, he's in the nets all the time. Yeah. I said, we don't practice hard enough. Look at us two. We, we kind of finish our game. The first thing we're thinking about is going in the bar and having a drink or two. You were in the next practice. Well, I was thinking and, about that as well, bro. I thought I'd get 15 minutes in the net before. Well, I, think, I don't think you realised at the time of what the, the impact you were having on us as, yeah, as but, young players, yeah. being the person you were, but also that, that, that body language and yeah. presence out in the middle was, for me, the, the best thing about the way that you played. So, so Judge, was, and, and that's exactly what I got when I was actually in that dressing room. As you said, you were my, like my sort of defensive line, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I was sort of like, don't let them get me, boys, don't let them get me, you know what I mean? And But, but then, obviously, you weren't feeling that as you were walking out about no, I, I certainly, um, I, I certainly didn't have the uh, the confidence, and it was actually quite great that uh, during uh, the start of my career, I think um, as you walked out, they had the big screen up there, and I had to look yeah. look up on the screen and see how many games I played and my average, just to really to give me the confidence to think, well, I'm actually good enough to be out here on the stage. Um, at no stage, it was just wonderful playing with uh, with Lammy and, and, and Beefy as well, and and and. Uh, 
uh, Gucci because they, I wouldn't say for a moment that they were uh, arrogant. They certainly weren't, but they had this unbelievable confidence mm. to know that they were good enough to uh, to be successful at that level. So just and take I really back. fed off that, uh, that yeah. confidence. Yes, yeah, so you're walking out to bat. You're at Lord's, mm. you walk out yeah. to bat. You're Robin Smith. Yeah. And as you go through the gates, you're having to look at the big screen. Yeah. And the big screen to, reads to remind how many me. games you probably have 44 average. Yeah, to and remi- that's giving you yeah to remind me that I'm good enough to uh, to go out and score runs and be on that stage. So yeah. nothing before that. You, you what what what's your emotions before you see those numbers on the screen? Well, I mean, again, I just enjoyed uh, you know before going out to bat, um, sitting and standing around both them and Lamb who'd be joking and laughing. And fortunately, uh, many times when I went out to bat, I doubt. Huge amount of doubts. Mm. You know, I had those thoughts of, for one, am I good enough? Yeah. And particularly when you have a two or three game period where you're not scoring runs, it's it's this little gremlin in your mind that oh. says, oh, you're going to get another failure. You know, the press is going to be on you. Mm. You know, I, I had this um, mentality then to go back to the basics. Yeah. And I thought I'll just go back to the basics and just try and survive for a few hours and just yeah. see and, and, and tick off run by run, mm. not ten by ten. No, it's like right, yeah. just get to one, get to two, get to three. What was your mechanism? As much as you've got Alan Lamb next to mm. you, you've got Ian Botham mm. that can give you... But it's you. But How did you get to yourself, taking your guard of face well, in those deliveries? Well, exactly the same as what you've just said. Uh, go back to the basics. And it actually, uh, it worries me. Um, well, it doesn't worry me, but it surprises me that uh, these days, now I'm starting to do quite a bit of coaching in Perth, and uh, a few of the other uh, parents have uh, come up to me and said, uh, look, I want you to teach my son, you know, 20, we play a lot of 2020 cricket and I want you to teach them how to play these 2020 shots. And I, I just say, look, I'm not. I, I'm, I, you know, I'll teach them how to become a test match player, to have a good, solid technique. Um, and then as he uh, grows a bit older with a good, solid technique, the, you can then adapt to the shorter form of the game. Um, and as you've just said now, if you don't have a good technique, if you don't have good foundations, you know, there is no basics to fall back on. Did Judge, you, can I just on, say yeah. something about technique? Oh, I think I saw Judgey play the most immaculate forward defensive I've ever seen. Am I going to have to go? Am I, am no. I, me and the producer and, going to have to start Googling no, again? You're not, and, no. and get bold at Trinidad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for reminding me of that. Do you that Wasn't that good? Oh, my God. I couldn't believe it. You've got right forward head over the ball. The big grey nickels came down. Like and then all of a sudden there was just an explosion. Is that the 46 all out? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I thought I'd play that quite well, but I was about three seconds too late. <laughs> did, did, the, did that the nerves and the self-doubt, did they end as soon as you got to the middle? Uh, yeah, so when I got to the middle, um, then I started to get you know, a little bit more comfortable um, or wasn't quite as nervous. Um, but it was definitely, you know, waiting to go into bat. And also, I, I, I wanted to watch uh, before I went into bat, but also I realised that um, it always looked so much harder from the side. I mean, um, Vaughan, he was an opening batter, so he went out there and took on the new ball and really didn't probably have time to sit around and, and watch and get nervous. Um, but when you're actually sitting from the side, it, it looks harder than it actually is when you're out the middle. So... For sure, it's important to see what you know, see what the bowler's doing and seaming and swinging. But I tried not to watch too much because, you know, Vaughan was talking about these little negative gremlins floating around your head, and they're very, very difficult to eject. With positive ones, the, the negative gremlins are far more powerful than those positive ones. When I ask you actually about whether you'd be a different batsman nowadays, I wonder whether the dressing room would be so different now that maybe you wouldn't need that character. 
Um, look, I, I... It feels like a, the England dressing room, for example, when you talk to them, mm. feels like a much more cerebral place than it might have been 30 years ago. But sport in general might be like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Look, I, I, there was definitely... There's no um, coincidence that um, there were really two parts to my um, to my international career. The one early on with the wonderful Mickey Stewart, who was like a father and I thought was a, a fantastic manager. Um, I don't think you need to be much of a coach when you're playing, and you know when when uh, you're playing for England, I mean, we all know what we've got to do. You need to be a good man manager, um, and uh, and playing with the likes of you know both them and Getting and Gower and Lamb and all those early on, and and sort of and they gave me, they backed me, they supported me, they thought I was a good player. They told me every single day that I was a good enough player to to be you know performing as I was for England, and then the second part of my career when when the old school. Um, had uh, had retired. Um, then I became a senior player in in the uh, in the England side, and I found it very difficult. I'm more of a, a follower than than a leader. Yeah. Um, and and again, it, I've written the book, and uh, you know I would like to that the two managers that came in to manage me after Mickey Stewart, I didn't felt that they were the right managers for me. Very very well respected two two managers. Um, I thought that they were a little bit of out of touch of the modern yeah. game at that particular time. Um, I think I would love to have played in a bumble, maybe. I think you might have understood me more and and uh, and again brought out that best. But um, I don't felt, I didn't feel as if they, they, they loved me. I didn't feel as if they supported or backed me. Um, and, you know, and I crumbled. I well, well, just, just, you know, the, the, this era of the game, mm. you know, the, the England team, as you, as you mentioned, Chap, it has so much support for the player mm. and, and, for the, and for the best. Mm. <laughs> you, you didn't, you, you're saying, Phil, didn't you? didn't yeah. have anything. Anyone. We had a physio. The... We had a physio. Well, yeah, that's correct. Tough we had lo- f- we had Laurie Brown. That's it. And, and we had the great wingers dingers, didn't we? Oh, well, yes. Wilfield Digby, who was absolutely <laughs> sensational, wasn't he, yeah. Tuffers? Well, that's only because he turned up one time and sort of ne- and then just decided not to go home. You know what I mean? It wasn't like in a professional capacity. But you're, but you're so right, uh, uh, Mike. We turned up with um, a, a, a manager, a coach, and a physio. And that was us. And we then yeah. had to go our way for four months with all the pressures at home. All the, you know, there was nothing there for us apart from your mates, your senior players, and the team room to go and have a drink. And you know I think, what I mean? And I think as well, when when we were here in England, um, you know, it, just the the amount of different players just you know coming in and out of oh, the, the England dressing room, yeah. and there's no uh, consistency there. So you know, all the guys came in really playing for themselves, and quite rightly so because they didn't perform well for that particular game. They might have got a second game. I mean, in in first five years, I think I played. I played with seventy eight different England players, and that's really? not yeah, and that's seventy eight yeah, and that's not um, and that's not the guys being recalled. For example, for example, Derek Pringle, that you know, yeah. him and, and 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 Daffy would come and play at Henry yeah. all the time, and then maybe not play the next game at, uh, <laughs> yeah. at the Oval. So, so that's not that's the, number, the, the, number, the number of bowlers who came for that one game at Headingley, yeah. and then yeah. we never saw them. Neil Mallander, <laughs> yeah, Neil yeah. Mallander. And, down and, the hill. And Malcolm Marshall, through his whole career, only played with nineteen players. Wow. So, so this this England setup. I mean, they've seen there's lots of yeah. continuity there. The guys know each other really well. They know how each other plays. So, I'm sure that there's a huge amount of contr- well, uh, yeah. you know team morale and you know yeah. and spirit within that group. But but that that is just an amazing stat you've just said there. So no longer, and I was involved in that stat as well. And so no wonder you was always living on 
the edge of your wits. Well, sort we of all thing. did. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I honestly, from day to day, I, I and you would feel exactly the same. Yeah, uh, I felt that towards you know in the last I don't know fifteen, maybe dozen test matches, yeah. that it was always going to be my last. Yeah, and, and that's how I played. Mm. Um, which shouldn't have been the case because I think I ended off my career re- reasonably well. But we all we all just felt that every game we played was going to be our last. Yeah, and, and I guess around that time, if you were going through difficulties, the, the mentality around the management would be just to look at you and say, "Toughen up." Well, Get that, over that, it. yeah, that, well, that was that was the uh, in in that in those days, particularly with the uh, the two managers that uh, that yeah. that I mentioned after. It, it was yeah, just you know, just toughen up, mm. and and even you know with with uh, with Lammy and and uh, and and both of them, if I'd actually um, spoke a lot about my inadequacies and how l- later on in my life how you know, I couldn't cope um, mentally. They would have just said, "Geez, Judge, you're bloody lucky. You got a great, you know, great mm. children and playing for England. And look in the mirror, you're half decent looking bloke, and you know, you're fit and healthy. What are you got to worry about?" Mm. But people just don't understand. You know, you know, they perceive that you know you're this big, strong bloke who's happy, always got a you know a laugh and a smile, and you know, he's in the pub having a drink. But you know, the looks can be very deceptive, as you. You know, notes when I walked out to bat, you know, you yeah. thought oh, I was this confident Robin Smith, yeah. but I certainly see, was I, far from it. See, I, I always say that to be a, a good captain, you've got to be a good actor. Yeah. Because yeah. you act a lot of the time. There's no way that as a leader, you walk in the dressing room every morning thinking, you know, positively. Yeah. There's yeah. no way that you can be great in yourself every day. So yeah. you've got to act because you can't allow your team yeah. to it's see you in it. Yeah, yeah. You, can't, you can't allow your team to see you in yeah. that negative state. Yeah. Let when, love when you, when you, yeah exactly. <laughs> when you look at your career, uh, the judge, mm. were you, you know, how how much kind of energy did it take from you acting, being the judge? Um, you know, again, I, I wouldn't like to uh, say that I came across as uh, someone who was insincere. Um, you know, at, uh, at at times, you know, I loved the, the nickname judge, you know, was uh, was used and fondly used by many people. But, um, but yeah, it, it's always quite difficult trying to, um, at times, be you know, a little bit more confident, a little bit more jovial, a little bit more outward going, um, you know, and this, and this, um, the judge or this person that people fell in love with and, and Jordan loved. And, and it was, it's actually quite hard work. You get in the car afterwards and drive home and think, oh, I can just be me now. Thank God I've I got don't. rid of the judge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, and then you walk into, uh, you know, the, the corporates and all the corporates are there and then you've got to be upbeat. And, mm. and you know, it's like you know, down at the members bar and everybody there wants to maybe buy you a drink or whatever and you've got to be upbeat there. And, mm. and it's really hard all, all, all your life to just to be, you know, upbeat and positive and, you know, and, uh, and talkative and, you know, and, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, playing sport, you know, there's a lot of, um, that's required of us, you know, both off and on the field. Mm. Yeah, when I'll, you, I'll remember, sorry, tough yeah, well, no, just going on, just answering Mike and everything like that. You know, if you during that early sort of eighties and eighties, nineties, you know, I mean, I had a bit of a wobble and a tear in Perth. Yeah, uh, do you remember that, Judge? I I, I wasn't on the. Well, no. I think I might not have been on the tour. You might have been <laughs> rooming with Shaggy. I think I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, or something sure like that. Yeah, but I had a little wobble there, and um, you know, sort of um, had a bit of a down time, problems at home, and what have you like that, and um, you know, and then I sort of reached out for a bit of for a bit of help, and um, I was uh, you know whisked off, had a little chat with someone, came back, and what have you, and then when I came back, they fined me two thousand pounds. I know. 
You checked yourself out of the hospital, didn't you? you said, yeah, I'm fine now. yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you yeah. mean you got fined? I got fined. For what? I got fined. I don't know what for. For not being for not being with the team. Yeah, but no, but for 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 for, for being homesick and having a bit of tea oh and, and and letting things sort of like get on top of you. And so and then also if you and then by the almost then saying to sort of like the hierarchy or the skipper or people who you know who are in charge or anything like that, if you actually then went to sort of see someone and said, "Oh, listen, you know, I'm I'm feeling a bit bit weird today, so to speak." That's a black name in your book. It, it is. It yeah, is. they just wouldn't. wouldn't they wouldn't pick it. They wouldn't accept it. Um, yeah, and. I remembered uh, vividly going to um, um, Keith Fletcher and asking uh, Keith whether or not, um, you know, we had a dietitian by, by that time. And I thought, well, I think we all know what we should be eating, whether it's a hamburger, Hungry Jacks or a, you know, or a, or a salad. So I think we had a pretty good idea as to, you know, what we should be eating. But I thought, thought that it was paramount for us to have a sports um, a psychologist in, uh, within our camp, and not just somebody that comes at the beginning of the season and has yeah. this big uh, board up there and mm. talk about groups and we've got to support each other. I mean, we, you, you need somebody in, in the dressing room who um, who's just quiet, just sits about. He's, he's qualified. He knows exactly. He can pick up, you know, um, different characters. Um, you know, he can learn about the right things and things to say to each other, to, you know, to the players and... Um, and I th- generally certainly would have helped me. I know it would have helped Tuffers, would have helped the likes of uh, um, Mark Rampakash, mm-hmm. um, you know, Hickey, to to name a few. I mean, all of us, I believe, that would have really benefited mm-hmm. from having a sports psychologist. It, it, and, and, and Fletch then turned around and said, well, if you need a psychiatrist, you shouldn't be playing for England in the first go. place. So, I mean, you know, this, and I thought, well, if it was good enough for all these, you know, um, great sports in America and the golfers and the, and yeah. the top uh, American teams to have somebody like that, you know, just around the dressing room, um, you know, I thought it would be good enough for good old England. And I thought when Reverend Wingfield Digby was, um, was with us, um, tough as you and I spent quite a bit of time with him, didn't we? Because yeah. we, we just loved his calming influence. We yeah. loved, we loved the way you know he spoke to us. He gave us love and affection, and you know, some people don't want that. I I wanted that, you know. But also, as you made the point in in one of the interviews, I think it might have been with the Guardian for, for the book. If if the person you go to then doesn't know the difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist, yeah, then, then, then we're in trouble. Then you're in tr- <laughs> then you're in trouble, <laughs> aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just think that era of cricket. Um, you know, I, I, you know, maybe just look at the people that were managed. They didn't know any better. No, you know, so they were probably playing in, in the eras of the sixties yes, and seventies, where they were, you know, yeah. it was that old school yeah. uh, way. I, I don't even think there was psychologists back in that time. No, yeah. well, we didn't have them. So and why should you? Rather certain, than being yeah. a visionary and trying to see where sports going and yeah. the pressure that, and pressure certainly not a, more, yeah. Sorry, sorry to interrupt before I forget. Certainly not a personal attack on on those two. Mm. That is for sure because they're lovely people. They just, again, mm. from the old school, didn't quite understand about the maybe the pressures of modern cricketer, the the insecurities that we feel. Um, and I just know that it would have certainly have helped me, not just my cricket playing days, but I think would have helped me after my my. Well, my I've, I've always career. said in management, it's it's important to to manage the person, not the player. Mm. So one thing that I always kind of say to any young captains, if you're going to go and lead, make sure yeah. you know who you're leading. So yeah, find out absolutely. who the person is rather than the, the player is obvious. You can yeah, look at the yeah, screen, as yeah, you say, yeah, and see yeah. an average of no, 40. No, it's such, such you've wonderful, wonderful, wonderful words, valuable words, because, yeah, I mean, the manager is... Manager, you, you, you manage people, don't you? Mm. Well, what, what else? You know, we don't, it's not called a coach, it's called manager, mm. called manager for some reason. Um, post playing, 
I, I'm, I, I know from my experience from doing this show in a variety of sports, there are male and female athletes who who struggle post mm. their their professional sporting careers, struggle mentally. Um, was it a relief to leave the judge behind? Did you <clears throat> leave the judge behind? Or did it actually create more problems? No, no, I, I tried to leave uh, the the, uh, the judge behind, um, but uh, but you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, all you know, all sportsmen, women, their career will definitely come to an end. If I had my time over again, um, I certainly would have uh, prepared better for life after after cricket. And, and I think the PCA these days are doing an absolutely mm. magnificent job. Um, in supporting and helping the players, and and uh, and you know, there's it's you know once that bubble bursts and once it's just absorbed your your life for 25 years, you know you don't think too much ahead. You know you just think you're invincible. You're just going to keep playing. But when that day comes and you don't prepare, then you know. And and for me, I gave it my all in that dressing room. They they were my family, and uh, and when you no longer have that, it it's very very difficult to uh, to cope with. In your uh, sort of search for for um, interest post cricket, you you moved to Australia, didn't you? And in the interview I heard with uh, Jonathan on TMS a, a couple of yeah. days ago, one of the reasons you you said in that interview that you spiralled into how much vodka you were drinking was a feeling that you let your children down by by moving to Australia. Yeah, well, look, which must uh, be heartbreaking. Yeah, uh, look, I, I thought uh, after after two or three years when I'd retired from from Hampshire, um, Hampshire were fantastic. They thought they were probably doing the right thing by offering offering me a role in the Robinson Suite, being an ambassador. Mm. Um, but actually, watching watching the the guys playing, it just didn't really do me any good. And and uh, Vaughan, you'll probably uh, understand what I'm saying now. When I was captain at Hampshire, I always said to the senior players who just retired, "Well, come back in the dressing room." You know, come back and uh, and sit there and chat to the guys because you know your wealth of knowledge. I mean, all the younger guys coming through would just love to listen yeah. to you. And I always wondered why they never came in until I'd retired yeah. and went back into my dressing room. And it's just not your home anymore. No, it's not. Um, it's Felt very, like an very intruder, different. didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It is. You, you get that. I mean, we, me and Phil have been invited mm. in the England dressing room. Oh, we didn't go, Mike. We, we just won't go in. <laughs> no, you just don't. <laughs> you don't Alistair Cook was captain. It was no. 2015. Yeah. The Ashes That's come right. in, come and have a drink, and we were like, "Sorry, we did, you God, just no, don't no. feel comfortable." No, no. as no. much as it's not the players doing anything differently than looking at. You, they probably want you to be in there, but you just go through that door and you look around and you think, this isn't my place no. anymore. I've had my time. You know, yeah. it's not it's not our environment to go into that one room. It's a, it's a st- and it's disappointing as well, isn't it? Because it's been your whole life. Yeah. And yeah. you wanted to, but you just felt very uncomfortable. I think that's probably one of the hardest things to deal with in sport. Yeah, well, I'll tell you that's what. That's the that, one thing. I'd love mm. to be able to go in and feel comfortable. Sure. I just don't think... I don't, I've not known any ex-players that have gone into a dressing room and felt comfortable. It just doesn't feel mm. right. No, but that dressing room, well, for me anyway, in a funny sort of way, was my safe place. Because mm. you, you know what I mean? to curl up in the corner. Well, they call the cat. <laughs> curl up in the corner and fall asleep all day. Well, that's right. That was my sort of little safe place, if you know what I mean. Because you, it's funny you said, you know, like family yeah. judge. That yes. was, that was especially county cricket. Yeah. Those boys, you were with these boys all day, every day. You know, you, yeah. you, you, you went on all tours. All night, every night. All night, every night. 
Mm. And and then when that is taken away from you, you know what I mean? You do sort of sit there and go, well, crikey, uh, where's my little safe place? Where's my mm. dressing room now? And and yeah, and then, then you've got to start finding uh, other ways of, um, you know, the the power of reinvention, uh, which I spoke, speak a little bit about in the book. And there's no one better in this world that uh, from Philip Tuffin of, uh, of the power of reinvention. <laughs> Tuff is, oh, goodness gracious me, buddy. And I, lo- <laughs> and I loved you on that Australian celebrity get me out of here. You were magnificent, mate. Well, there you, you, won, you won that one, didn't you? Yes. Well, the only time I've come back from Australia having won. <laughs> hey, I'm here all week. I'm here all week. <laughs> You've used that in a few after dinners, haven't you, Phil? <laughs> Um, so yeah, getting back to your uh, um, your initial question, uh, after those three or four years um, uh, uh, post cricket, I decided then um, having a few problems with mm. you know with um, you know my, my marriage, um, I just felt a good clean break to Australia would 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 do me the world of good. Um, I had a good job to go to. My brother uh, runs a well, owns a, a fantastic business. Mum um, and dad were over there, so I go, go and have the support of mum and dad, um, Kathy, my ex-wife, who uh, was also very supportive about going. And the children had just, uh, Margot had just left her junior school, so it was a great opportunity for her to uh, to go and meet new friends at a senior school. And Harrison, too, was coming up towards the end of his uh, education school. So, you know, so we all, we, uh, we all left with um, high expectations and, uh, you know, lots of optimism and enthusiasm. And I was then going to take over the, uh, the Missouri um, helmet business and start distributing that in Australia. So, you know, things were, things were looking great. Um, and then, you know, the marriage deteriorated. Um, I started drinking more and more, couldn't quite cope with the running of the business. Um, you know, I just... Uh, we had a great, you know, the helmet was a fantastic product, um, being very well supported in Australia, but I found it very difficult to run a business. Um, and eventually that, that uh, you know, th- that got too big. I f- ran into cash flow problems, financial cash flow problems, um, had to sell a house to, um, you know, to, you know, to help with the, the cash flow. Uh, my marriage broke down. I was uh, done for, you know, I started to drink more often instead of just having the, um, you know, the, the double vodka yeah. and lime and soda and then the triple one, it would be the bottle. I'd take the bottle to uh, to work and for probably four or five years and absolutely no exaggeration, I would have maybe a bottle and a half, two bottles of, of vodka a day from from the bottle. What, what might have helped me staying sane was I, I'd, because I'd lost my license, I um. I still cycle 60, 60 k's a day, um, so that probably helped me keep reasonably. Uh, don't know how I fell off the bike after two bottles of water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it's just just really a, a you know a, a functioning alcoholic. I mean, you, you know, I was never stumbling around. I still had to work. I still worked twelve hours a day, um, but you're always topping up, you know. And uh, you get your bottle of vodka there, and you know, have a little swig, and then you know your um, you know, you feel that warmth in your veins and um, and for a short moment, you know, you, you don't have that guilt. Mm. Um, and, and there's one there's one thing I think that that if you have children, um, you, you'll, you'll understand what I'm saying. To lose the respect of your children is possibly the worst thing that any man or any or, or any wife would ever want, you know. And, and that's all I ever wanted to do was for my children to be proud of me, for them to love me. Um, and then when they saw what sort of state I was in and, and, you know, the way that my life was going and the only way that I could, you know, could 
cope with my life was unfortunately alcohol. I knew that I had to stop, but I just couldn't. You know, I just had I just had to have it every day. Um, and uh, as it as it turned out, I um, uh, Barry Richards um, had uh, heard that I was having a few or a lot of problems in Perth, and he was looking to invest in a, in a small apartment. So <clears throat> I bought an apartment on his behalf and and lived uh, in that apartment on my own for uh, for nine months in uh, Scarborough, probably 150 yards from the beach. Um, and again, very lonely, um, drinking copious amounts of vodka, and sat on the beach, looked up to this hotel and thought, nah, I can't put my family through any more of this. I've, I've got to end it. I've got to end, end my life. There's, I, can't, just, I don't know how to stop drinking. I don't know how to get myself out of this hole. The best thing for me is just to end it. So, so I knew exactly how I was going to do it. Um, I didn't know when. It would probably have been within the next week, 10 days, after that moment of, of planning it. Um, went back home, maybe a couple of days later, again curled up on the sofa in the evening. Harrison, my son, had a key, came into, uh, came into the apartment and uh, just saw me just a wreck. And he just said, look, you know, we love you. And, and you know, and that started my recovery. Um, and it was, it was quite strange, really, because um, here with my, be- my beautiful partner, we've... Uh, um, been together for six and a half years and uh, got down my knee a couple of days ago and proposed. And oh. Unfortunately, she said uh, yes. Oh, so congratulations. I, it did take me, did take me, <laughs> did, did take me six minutes to get back up off of my neck and me. But, uh, but Karen, was, Karen was there and she, uh, it was just, it was fantastic because um, um, when she uh, moved into the same block of apartments where I'd, uh, when I bought my place and, and mom and dad were living there as well, um, and it was so refreshing meeting Karen because she didn't know any cricketers. Sorry, Vaughn, she didn't know. Yeah, the only the only only cricket she knew was uh, was Shane Warne. Right. But um, anyway, so she didn't know of the Robin Smith. So she she met me when I was absolutely on the bo- bones of my ass. And um, I remember that one night she uh, came and saw me sitting around the pool, and I'd seen her three or four times. And she said, "What are you What are you going to do tonight?" And I said, "Oh, you know, go home." She'd um, she said, you're not going home because, you know, your dad's locked you out. And I thought, oh, well, if you want to really want to know the truth, Carol, I'm going to go down the road, get a couple of bottles of vodka, and I'm going to sleep next to the river because we're only 150 yards from uh, the Swan River. And she said, no, you're not. She said, you can't take today into tomorrow. I'm going to go up and tell the children that you've been uh, locked out of the house, that uh, mom was in the hospital at the time having a hip replacement. And um, she went up and organized the sofa and got myself a nice cup of tea and she said well you have a good night's sleep you get on your bicycle and you cycle and go and see your mother in the hospital the next day and tomorrow is the start which it was and uh, anyway a couple of a uh, couple of years later um i've been approached to uh, to write <clears throat> to write my book my story and we've taken down some paper and pens and we just had a beautiful walk along the uh, along the river uh, sorry along the, uh, the along the beach and uh, Sat, uh, went uh, we were the, on the bottom bottom floor. Karen uh, just uh, went and had a shower. I just made myself a nice coffee. Went outside, sat in the balcony. As I sat down, one yard away from me, just bang, this lady had thrown herself off uh, the eleventh floor, um, and she was she was breathing. She was looking at me. I was only two yards away from her. I shouted. Karen said, "Karen, somebody tried to take their life." So I jumped over 
the balcony and uh, Karen joined me, you know, uh, a minute later and we were holding her hand and, um, you know, and she just looked, looked at us, she's still breathing and, you know, Karen said, you know, we're here with you because the last thing you want to do is, you know, die on your own and we're holding her hand and, and then eventually after about three minutes, just she had a last breath and, the, and I thought that's, that's what I was going to be doing two years earlier. And uh, that was, uh, you know, I'm just so glad now that I'm here to tell tell the tale. And, and that's a spe- you know, and I felt, you know, it was in a way, you know, so sad to have seen that. Just, you just wonder why, you know, people do that. But, you know, as I said earlier on, some people have, have these this thoughts about, well, I'm better, you know, off this planet, not bring everybody, you know, heartbreak all the time and every day and disappointment rather being out of it. But I'm just glad that, I made the right decision in the end. Just um, Harrison, you, your lad who yeah. came and opened that yeah. door. Yeah. How is he with you now? Oh, fantastic. Bo- both, oh, both, both children are, are absolutely fantastic. The, the, the book um, is, a, is a very revealing book about, uh, about my life. It's a very honest story of my life. And, uh, and not everything in there is, is probably what they want to read, but I did give them the opportunity of reading, reading the book before it was published. Um, and um, they were they were happy. They said, "No, Dad, that's fine. That's your story." And they were absolutely happy about me um, having the book printed um, because I thought it was quite revealing about different parts of my life, which I didn't think they would be necessarily, you know, happy with. But um, but again, if you're going to be writing a story about your life, it has to be honest. It has mm. to be a truthful recollection of you know of your whole life. What well, what is you know if you could because I think the book's a great lesson to to, to many, not just sports people. Yeah. Because um, we all make mistakes and we yeah. all wish we could do things differently back in the day. Yeah, you know what? What, what advice would you give to sports people now? Um, look, look, the the advice um, just just in short, um, if you if you if you feel that um, things are getting a little on top of you, if you feel that uh, you can't quite cope, you have problems, just go out and 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 you know and and speak to you know, a great friend or, or, or share your, um, you know, your thoughts and, you know, a, a problem shared is a, you know, is a problem halved. And, and, and for me, I just kept everything to myself. You know, I kicked all my problems under the, uh, the carpet and eventually you're going to fall over the carpet. And, but I just think that um, you've, you've got to go out there and, and, and seek some help without doubt. That, that's first and foremost. Don't be too proud knowing that there's lots of love out there, lots of people that will support you. And, uh, and 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 talk about it. Don't don't let it fester, and 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 keep it yourself. And because you know you you'll just get worse. Has this uh, has it helped mm. you? That writing it has it, it's been, has it, it helped it, you? It, it, and and contact because obviously you've done a lot of yes. interviews for it as well. It, and have have they helped? Because you've got, yeah. you're going over some incredibly personal and harrowing yes. stuff. It, it's been uh, it's been very cathartic, uh-huh. and uh, I've um, <clears throat> you know I've read the book um, over and over, and I've I've been in tears, and you know, and and tears of joy as well, and I've 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 you know I'm quite I'm really happy. Um, I think Rob Smythe, who uh, um, the author, I think um, he's been absolutely unbelievable from the day one. He understood me, um, and you know he's he's being you know he's able to to write what I think is a lovely story. Um, I will certainly uh, mention my uh, my beautiful partner Karen, who um, 
it's been six and a half years with me seeing me at rock bottom. Fiance. Fiance, correct. When's the wedding? We won't even talk about that. When's the wedding? Where's it happening? <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, obviously, um, you know, going through those mental um, problems over a period of six years, Karen's got this, this fascinating uh, uh, memory and was able then to give Rob lots of, you know, research and lots of, uh, you know, ideas and things. And I think collectively, as the three of us, we've, what I think of, we've made a, you know, a, it's a, a book which, which I'm happy with. Um, when you uh, were on TMS during the week, here's just some of the responses which people wanted us to pass on their best wishes to oh. you. So I will, I will do just that. John Evans, just want to say thank you for the remarkable interview with Robin Smith, who is one of my heroes growing up. I thought he was invincible. He demonstrated great bravery again with the interview. It was wonderful to hear about his path to recovery. Uh, Chris Hampton, I was very sad to hear about Robin's problems, but thought how brave of him to speak so openly uh, about it. Please pass on the best wishes of all my family who remember him so fondly. Uh, Ken McDonald, Robin needs to know that all of the cricket fraternity, whether ex-players or supporters, wish him every success in his future ventures. And to hear his heartfelt interview is an inspiration to all. Hopefully you guys get this message to him to let him know that the cricket family are thinking of him. Uh, Nigel Morgan, it just goes to show you, you never know what the next man is going through. Robin is an inspiration to us all. Uh, Ken Dix, uh, can I just say how uplifting it was to hear Robin Smith talk about his struggles? Although our experiences are very different, I do know what it is like to use vodka to hide from the world. It was great to hear such an honest and open interview. And if you could pass on my thanks to Robin, I would be grateful. And there are many more. Like oh, that. that's lovely. And and, uh, and if they are listening to uh, today, I'm so grateful. And uh, and thank you so much for those those wonderful words. And uh, that's fantastic. It's been fascinating talking to you. Oh, and it has been lovely, lovely to meet you. Oh, fantastic. Thank you for the memories. Thank you for oh, inspiring you. us all in the back garden. Oh, brilliant. And you are happy. Oh, yeah. absolutely thrilled. How can I not be thrilled with the beautiful uh, fiancé, as you mentioned it to me earlier on? No, very, very, very happy, very thrilled where I am now compared to where I was five years ago. Um, just couldn't be happier. We wish you all the very best. Oh, and listen, thank you so much. Yes, Rob, Taffers. Robin, Robin, one thing. Uh, yes. it, it, it Robin, might... oh, I see. Well, no, well, there you go. Well, there you go. Very formal, yeah, Taffers. Well, there you go, because they, they, this might not be the right thing to say, but you'll always be known as the judge to me, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Judgy. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts.